0: Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship, and today we're going to talk about picking up the pieces after divorce, and I'm interviewing a fellow divorce coach, Andrea Stuckey, who's actually a master life and divorce coach, she's got like years of experience, podcast, written multiple books. She's super in-depth, super invested, and super ready to help people. She helps separated and divorced women to rebuild and redefine and liberate their lives post-divorce. How are you today, Andrea?
1: I'm fabulous, Rich. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast.
0: It's so great to have you. Yeah. And so what's going on in Virginia today?
1: <laughs> uh, a little rain. <laughs> a little, you know, know, uh, overcast here. It's a little
0: overcast here in New York also, but hopefully we're going to shine some light on this topic.
1: Absolutely. The topic, uh,
0: the topic, the question I love to ask everyone in the beginning of the show is how did your heart lead you to do this work?
1: You know, God has a way of doing things, right? So as a believer, um, this was not what I had expected to do in any way, shape, or form. Um, I have been married twice, and after my second divorce, which was about 12 years ago during this taping, uh, probably about uh, three years at post-divorce, if you will, I had got sort of an inclination about a, a book title in my spirit, if you will, called Suddenly Single. And I, I remember praying, thinking, "I'm not sure why I got this book title because I, I have no intention of writing a book, <laughs> but I will be obedient, put it in the, in my little notes in my phone, and live my life, right?" Mm-hmm. And then about two years later, um, I don't, I can't really explain it, but there was just this impression for me to begin to write this book, and you know, and the fact that I had been divorced twice, you know, really had some implications here. So I began to start writing the book, and as I began to write the book. I sort of came across really randomly different opportunities and people and coaches and people speaking on, in this space on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went ahead, finished the book, and trust me, I really did not know what I was doing <laughs> in writing this book, uh, but I wrote the book, I was obedient, published it at the beginning of 2016, and what I realized was that in writing a book, then you have a platform or you you know sort of have a business, if you will. But there was so much interest in this topic and in this book. And I just began to be led to you know, get a certification in terms of coaching and working with women and sort of the rest is history for the past seven years. I will add this is that um, because of my history, and I had no idea this, and it's kind of interesting in how, you know, either God or, the you know, situations and circumstances prepare you. You can talk about God here, it's all good. Yeah, (laughs) that situations and circumstances prepare you, that God prepares you, that I had so much to give to these women because I had been married twice Mm -hmm. and they were two very different marriages. One was for about five years, one was for 13 years. I had, you know, blended families. I had remarried, I had done all these things. You yeah, uh, have a lot
0: of experience to share with people,
1: right? It just all came together. And uh, it has been my life work since
0: I love it. And you know, for any of the listeners who don't like the word God, you just put another word in there put in the force of the universe or, or your unconscious mind or whatever it is. But you know, what I love here is first, I love this story of something came up in me, and yeah. that you honored it. Right? <laughs> Uh, that you honored this thing. Like so often an idea to write a book comes up for people and they go, oh, I'm not really the person to write that book or, (laughs) you know, I don't have time or that's not really who I am. And, you know, instead you honored it and you kept saying, I was in obedience, I was in obedience, which is, I love, personally, you know, as someone who's a person of faith, I love the idea that you heard this and acknowledged that there was a connection to something bigger. There was a bigger difference to be made, right? that we can look at obedience as obeying a mysterious power, or we can simply look at it as, uh, you know, this thing is coming up in me that is going to change the ecology of uh, ecology, like the, the people around me, the world, yeah. and I'm going to obey this desire instinct to make this difference This positive, positive difference, a positive change, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes things rise up in us and we obey them and they're not so positive, Right. (laughs) right? Which is how we get into such a mess when we're getting divorced, you know? And I think part of what we're going to talk about today is uh and i the reason why i make so much out of this is because i think part of that shift part of picking up the pieces which is the topic today is making that shift from being triggered and angry and maybe doing things that you know aren't good but they but that self-righteous anger feels so vindicating and powerful in the moment that you just kind of forget about the big picture you know and making that shift from living that way to when we pick up the pieces, we need to do something with them. We've got children. Usually there's other people, there's extended family. There's sometimes there's a job, you know, there's a community. How do we pick up those pieces and put it back together and start to clean up the mess of that self-righteous anger and move into a place where, uh, we're not only honoring our feelings, but also what's best for everyone around us.
1: Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right, so what's the process how, how do we get from that place of when we're when we're honoring uh, self-centered emotions that that are destructive? how do we move from that to a place where once again it's not just about it's not just about doing good. it's about inner harmony because there's a part mm-hmm. of us, all of us that wants that needs to be connected and wants to Contribute to the wider good? How do we, what's the first step, Andrea, from moving from that place of err uh, to something a little more positive?
1: All right. Well, the first thing is we have to recognize that, uh, that err or emotional roller coaster, if you will, is normal. You know, we have been connected to an individual um, in a covenant basis. We have become one with that individual. And regardless of the reason, the breakup, you know, and there's, uh, a plethora of reasons people divorce, no judgment here, but we have to understand that that is a breaking of that bond, right? Mm -hmm. And so first of all, we just have to understand what we're going through, that this is normal. One minute you feel happy and free, right? And another minute you feel angry, depending on the situation and circumstance and allow yourself to feel those feelings initially, whatever they are. Because if we don't allow ourselves to feel that, if it's anger, joy, freedom, or resentment, betrayal, shame, it will resurface later on, right? So acknowledging those feelings is I believe the first step in the process. And then when we look at, um, you can just kind of guide me because I can go all the way through. Well, but- hang on, so let
0: me just make sure I got it right. All right, yes. so it sounds like what you're saying is the first step is no matter who made the decision to, to serve the papers, yes. <laughs> let's be clear about the kind of service, no matter yes. who made the decision, whether you're the recipient or the server, the, the It's really important to honor our feelings, negative and positive. Uh, and Absolutely. you know, and the obvious reason is anything that we push down is going to come back. It's like a jack in the box. Eventually it's going to pop back out. All right? So step one, uh, uh, well, ex- honor and experience the feelings. but and at the same acknowledge. time uh, acknowledge uh, it, we can we can roll too much into the the dark end of the pool. And not come back if we're not careful. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess the second step's going to help with that.
1: Um, well, the fir- as I said, the first thing is, you know, feeling those feelings, right? Yes. And you have to understand that you're, you're grieving, right? And I think one of the problems today in society is because, unfortunately, divorce is common, that we don't recognize what really is happening internally and emotionally to an individual. Mm-hmm you know, outside of all of the, the physical things that are happening, right? That internally there is a, there's a change going on. And once you make that acknowledged, then understanding that there is a process that you are grieving, right? When you're going through divorce, it is just like that. It's a grieving process, which mm-hmm. begins with denial. And I think if we've gone through this, we can look back and recognize that one of the first steps is, Hey, is this really happening? Mm. You know, I, 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 can this really be happening? And that's that sort of acknowledging, should, you know, should I, excuse me, acknowledging is this really happening and being open and honest with yourself, uh-huh. right? And I use myself in this example, because I remember um, when I first separated from my second husband, I had previously been pretty much a stay at home wife, uh, mom, you know, raising my kids and everything. And we had been separated for like three months. Well, I was just still living. I was living at our our current home at that time and I was just living life the same, continuing to shop continued to travel. Just, you know, my husband just wasn't in the house, but I knew that the marriage was over. We had wow. already determined that, but in my subconscious mind, I didn't want to face the fact that I had to really make some changes in my life. Right. So I was in a denial space there uh-huh. and I was there for quite a while until I had to, you know, really the light bulb just came up because life situations were, were arising. Life, if you life demands
0: yeah. a reaction.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly.
0: Yeah, okay. got it. Uh, all right. So, really being in the feelings and having them, and I get—I guess um, it's important to say that we live in a culture that doesn't always encourage that. You know, like yeah. things you hear are—you know—if you fall off of a horse, you get back on it. You know, when the going gets tough, the all
1: right the tough, tough get, get out.
0: going, right? Yeah. And there's not a lot of room in that thought process for oh, maybe I'm just going to feel sad, or maybe I'm just going to mourn the loss of the dream that we had together, you know, wh- at the same time as being angry, at the same time as being hopeful, you, all that can happen in the same space, all right, so give yourself space to have those feelings, and then?
1: Absolutely, you know, and then the next thing you have to understand, the next process, and this, if, if I think if, we, if you've gone through a divorce and you really look back, you'll recognize it, What has happened to you? And the next thing that really begins to happen is, okay, this is tough. This sucks, right? So I'll use myself as an example again. Hey, it's three months out. I've got to, you know, I need to start working. I've got some bills to pay. We've got to do these these physical things of transitioning. What is going to happen here, right? And so when you really, when the road meets the rumber in terms of those changes, then we may start to feel like, you know, maybe, you know, what we're breaking up is about is not that bad. (laughs) Right. Maybe, you know, maybe we can work through this because this sucks. Right. This hurts. This is hard. This is difficult. And by grief, when we talk about stages of grief, that's called bargaining. Right. That's not a term that we use every day, but that's what it's called, right? And we talk about grieving. And that's kind of the next area that you're in. And we have to learn how to work through it. We have the denial and then okay, here I am. What is next? I have to really start doing some things. Like, yes, my feelings are all over the place, whether it's happy or sad or whatever, but now there is an actual process that has to begin. And that's a difficult space because it's really where you're really facing this ending of the marriage, if you will.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here here at Richmond Relationship, we maintain that there are four prerequisites for change. One is identifying and eventually letting go of negative beliefs, which you've covered very thoroughly. The second is creating a strategy, which is, I I suspect, the triggered somewhat in the steps that you're giving us by oh my god the world is still happening (laughs) and the third is taking an action right so if you don't you can have Mm -hmm. your feelings you can have a strategy but if you don't take action nothing's going to change you're going to continue to be in reaction uh, which is not where we want to be and then the fourth is that you adjust uh -hmm. you know uh, because it's even when a plane lays in a flight plan it's constantly adjusting to no plane flies in a straight line from one place to another it it makes curves and turns and it goes up and down and picking up the pieces has got to be a lot like that.
1: Yes, absolutely. You, you hit it right on the nail. Same process, just different wording.
0: <laughs> absolutely. All right. So um, we're in there. The world is demanding that we take action. What comes next?
1: What comes next is then it's kind of like, okay, this really isn't working. And I think that we can all probably remember some particular season where we felt really, really depressed, even in our doing, even in our, uh, not acknowledging whatever the situation, but there usually is a period when you really come to the fact that this thing is over. And there's sort of what I call situational depression, not clinical, but it's based on the situation that we're going through. We may have some days where we don't want to eat, where we don't want to sleep, that we don't want to get up. Could just be and, deep sadness. Right. I, deep sadness. I, I've
0: got a client I'm working with tomorrow who uh who, who lost her husband. And she says, the doctors say I'm depressed. I said, You're not depressed. You lost your husband three months ago. You loved him. This is called deep sadness. It's what you're supposed to be feeling. She can't believe that th- that this disabling sadness is normal, but she's one of the few people who really is letting herself have it. You know, and I keep telling her, "Let yourself have it," because that's the door to freedom.
1: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that's a little interesting that I want to just, um, and maybe we can sort of talk about this really quickly, is that. I have I primarily work with women only, Mm -hmm. but I have worked with a few men. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I recognize is that we're obviously we're very different individuals and how we process these emotions. Right. So a lot of times men they're you know, it's more internal. But they continue to press for maybe go into work mode or goal, goal goal-driven creatures. Exactly. And that's where they kind of, you know, just shift their energy. Where a lot of times with the women, we have generally, you know, made a lot of emotional investments to the the, the relationship. We found our identity in the marriage and our children as mothers. You know, we may have put our dreams and um our dreams and aspirations on the you know back burner for various reasons. So there is a different. I believe, um, a different process, if you will, and how the women initially respond and the men initially respond. Yeah. Just I, love to throw that.
0: I love that. I mean, what I love about that is, um, that women in that context, women have more permission to grieve. Um, what's really interesting is I'm finding that, you know, in, uh, this, the whole, um, equal pay for women, you know, recognizing that, um, that, There's that men and women are equal, different and and equal have different strengths. There has been a tendency for a lot of women to because they're they've been breaking into a male dominated system to adopt male strategies in their work. And what's been really interesting is I get clients who are female you know, who have a very goal-oriented approach and they have given themselves less permission to grieve. And then Mm -hmm. there's a whole nother movement in the corporate world where there are all these businesses that are being founded by women and have Mm -hmm. more uh, women-centric cultures where it's much more relational and collaborative. And in those cultures, there's something completely different happening. So I think there's this sort of beautiful recognition of what you just said. First of all, that men and women are different. Second of all, that there are strengths to both approaches, that not men don't have all the answer and women don't have all the answer. And third, that you, there can be really beautiful cultures based in both of these qualities. We don't have to become men to compete in a right. corporate culture. We don't have to become women to compete in a corporate culture. You can have both. And yes. I would love it if men had more permission to grieve. I felt they had more permission to grieve. This thing of I'm just going to work my way through it is not optimal in terms of emotional health.
1: Yes, I totally totally agree. Totally agree. Beautifully All said. Right.
0: So here we are. We've had the feelings. The world is demanding stuff of us. How how do we keep picking up the pieces? I want to know the answers here.
1: And then we come to the level of acceptance. But I want to say before we get to obviously acceptance. I'm a guy. Of- I got to
0: get to the goal, Andrea
1: right
0: <laughs> do you that see it? we're already acting out this dynamic it's so perfect
1: right is that that the the aspect of letting go ah, of the emotions that we talked about in the beginning
0: how, to, somewhere how, in this process, how does forgiveness fit into letting go
1: oh it is everything it it is absolutely everything and i will share this is that the, you know as i said i have been married twice and one of my prayers when I first split up from my second husband was Lord don't make me bitter and please help me do the right thing because I recognize how in my flesh right I will want to do things that are not good right to this person who I felt has hurt me or or that type of thing you know when we talk about children and all those different things Mm -hmm. and I learned forgiveness from my first marriage because my first husband literally walked out and never came back over 20 some odd years. And I had to learn how to forgive someone that I could not even hear mm-hmm. or, or speak to. I say all that to say that that is something that I teach here in with my with the women that I coach because we have to learn to let go. Well, and letting go and allowing God to handle that for us is not saying that whatever has happened um, is okay. If we've been mistreated or- It doesn't, whether it doesn't make them right.
0: Else. It doesn't make exactly. them good. It doesn't make you wrong.
1: Right. Or does it doesn't make us, you know, a lot of times we always looking at the other person being the offender. Right. But we could have been the offender as well. And I'm sure there was both of those, those things happening in a marriage because they just do. Well, maybe we, at all, different levels. we all have
0: a role in the dance that we do. Not that people do not experience being victims and not that I would ever uh, say that they caused that. But we right. all have a role in the dances that we do. So what's the speaking of cost? What's the cost of not forgiving?
1: Well, it, it just bear, it, it burdens you down emotionally. Yeah. Right. And one of, the thing, one of the things that I share is that <clears throat> we don't recognize how we show up in the world. Right. And a lot of times I think if we all just think about maybe a family member or workplace, you know, a coworker or something like that, that we've come and experience sometimes we meet people who are very edgy. Mm -hmm. You know, they wear their emotions on their sleeves. They get easily irritated and agitated. Mm. Um, They're just not really happy people. Doesn't mean they're not a good worker or family member that we don't love them. Right. But a lot of times they don't see that about themselves. But we as we look at them from the outside, we see those those characteristics. And oftentimes, not all the time, oftentimes that is that un forgiveness or that hurt and baggage Mm -hmm. that is still on the inside. And unfortunately that person is carrying that around for potentially decades. So even though we may feel, and you mentioned kind of early, sometimes we want to hold on to that because we feel it gives us some power over that person and that, you know, but we're really not, it's only hurting us, um, our, our, our whole being, our core, our spirit, it hurts us. And so, um, and, and it, it takes time to do that. It's not an overnight process by any way, shape, or form. All of our experiences are differences, are different. But I will say this, is that when you do release it, it is a freedom like you will not believe. Amen. And and you as an individual are the one who benefits from releasing and forgiveness and forgiving, definitely.
0: I was working with a man yesterday on releasing literally releasing sadness uh through a process we have called mental and emotional release it's very intensive and a big part of the conversation was that as men um we're not encouraged to have hurt and sadness and fear because we have a belief that we are because we're physically larger that we're supposed to be the defenders of the household and um, that because that's our role, if we let ourselves have feelings like sadness, hurt, and fear, like a robber comes in and they knock my wife on the head and I go, oh my God, you're hurt. You know, I'm, how am I going to defend the house? Or if the robber comes in and kills my wife and I go, oh, I'm so sad she's dead. I mean, God willing, that'll never happen. Let's, Let's not speak that into like any, any form of possibility. Uh, you know, if, I, if I'm if i immersed in the sadness, then I can't defend my children in the household. So, you know, as men were conditioned to subjugate the, the these feelings to anger. And in fact, he was having trouble experiencing sadness. I mean, I had to remind him of all the times he, situations where I knew he had experienced sadness. Uh, you know, it was really pretty amazing that he was, he's so programmed. We are so programmed to not have those feelings. And yet, it is vital to picking up the pieces. It is vital to the healing process to have space for that. And in, how do I put this? I'm going to call them more traditional societies. Um, There was a role for that for men. There Mm -hmm. was a role for formal grieving for men in, I'm going to call them pre-scientific societies.
1: Right. Yes.
0: Because I think there's something about that scientific approach that's reinforced this not that there's a problem with science i love science i love scientific studies but there's it seems to there's that with that whole rational thinking there seems to have been a subjugation of softer feelings you know to rational thinking and to, to anger uh mm. and th- that's very destructive
1: yes it is absolutely
0: all right so we're in there we're forgiving i'm sorry I, but folks we're, we're gonna go a little long today forgive me i'm talking a lot but i'm really loving this subject and i'm really loving andrea so andrea we're we're having the feelings we're letting go we've done the forgiveness
1: what comes next and now we're accepting we come to a level of acceptance we can look at the situation we can recognize you know what has actually taken place we can own what we've contributed to that you know to the to the um Uh, breaking, if you will, of the divorce process, the divorce that we've had, the relationship that we've had. And we can look on it sort of with a fresh set of eyes. It doesn't mean that it was this glorious divorce, if that makes sense, but we can look at it for what it is. Um, We have released a lot of those, um, the baggage that we had talked about, and we can just accept and be ready and willing to move on with our lives.
0: Nice. So once we're in acceptance, that's where we can start to, think about where, where is it we want to go or maybe we're going to listen to that small still voice and let us direct us or whatever whatever's working for us and move forward
1: absolutely yeah whatever's next for you you know and and again that timeline is different for everyone and listen some people they don't you know they may be moving along uh quote unquote with their lives and not have had a level of acceptance i've worked with women who have been divorced for decades but they were still holding on to resentment even though they didn't think that they were, but once yeah. I get, you know, once we're in a session and we're coaching, we're starting to unearth, if you will, some things we recognize that those hurts and things have not been released. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, still some bondage there, if you will, um, inside of them.
0: At that yeah. point. And the, the problem with that, in case you're listening and you're running the problem with holding on Well, let me back up. Uh, my father had been dead for 10 years and my mother was, had been divorced from him for Thirty years, uh, and she said something negative about him. And regardless of how that made me feel as his child, I said to her mom, "He's been dead for ten years. Like, what's that? What's that getting you?" Mm-hmm. And she kind of had this aha moment that she had been holding on to this resentment that really she couldn't even punish him with it anymore. He was gone, right? Yes. And that the only person who was suffering was herself. And let mm-hmm. me now back that up with studies show that when we hold on to resentment and anger that you can reduce your lifespan by as much as 10 years. There's, there's a hormonal chemical impact to holding on to anger and resentment that that hurts us physically and shortens our life. But there's also the quality of life. I mean, when my mom realized that she had been talking stuff about this guy who wasn't even alive, and what mm-hmm. was the sense in that when she let that go, she had more energy for the rest of her life because yes. she takes emotional energy to maintain a resentment. It's not like yes. the resentment just blossoms and grows on its own. We have to water it, we have to nurture it, and we have to feed it. And that means taking away resources from other par- areas of our life. So there's a lot of reasons to let this stuff go. So, listen, folks, Andrea is the author of Suddenly Single. A Woman's Spiritual and Practical Guide to the First Five Years Following Separation and Divorce. She's also the author of Picking Up the Pieces After Divorce, which we've been talking about. And I'm sure you can learn more about this in that book. She's the author of Liberation, Journal for Divorcees, 90 Days to Renewing Your Personal Freedom. And she's the Amazon bestselling author of Brand New Me, The Pursuit of Wholeness. And Mm -hmm. as you probably guessed, you could find these books on Amazon. But I'm wondering, Andrea, If people want to find you or learn more about the work you're doing, or maybe they can buy the books directly from you, how should they seek you out?
1: Uh, Two ways. One, my uh, online Facebook community is Divorce Women Unite. DivorceWomenUnite.com is a great way to follow me and connect with me there. I'm also over on Instagram at divorce underscore coach seven. That's a great way to find me as well. And if you're listening and you want to just shoot me an email, Andrea at DivorceWomenUnite.com period.
0: <laughs> and we will do our best to have all that good stuff in the notes for the podcast and the video blog. Uh, and you can always feel free to ask us directly through uh, a direct message or whatever if you need more information on Andrea. We're happy to connect you. She's am- you're amazing.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Such a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Thank right. you. And Thank here- you for having me.
0: Oh, so, yeah. No, this has been awesome. And here's the question I ask everyone at the end. What is the legacy that you want to leave behind?
1: um the legacy that i want to leave behind is resources that women can utilize to help them as we're talking about today pick up the pieces of their life after divorce and that is through coaching programs um books and i do have a book goal how many books that i want to leave on this earth before i you know for the lord calls me home right but continuous things that they can and resources that they get to recognize that yes divorce is a very tough transition but it is not the end all be all they can definitely live and love again
0: love it i love it yeah i love it because really we're constantly transforming our relationships and yeah. divorce is another way to transform it and by thinking of it that way as not the be all and end all but another step in the journey you know we we can think about, all right, so where do we want this journey to go? Instead of, I'm just going to kill this thing, right? <laughs> kill this thing and move on. Because in real life, most of us get married and have children. And if you have mm-hmm. children with someone, the fact is y'all are probably stuck together unless one of you just disappears for some reason or another, which mm-hmm. wouldn't be best for the children. And so mm-hmm. if you can create or transform that relationship into something that's going to work better for the kids, at least, mm-hmm. you know, that's a major victory.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I will just add to that. Um, I co-parented for 12 years. And what you're saying is so true because my oldest child was 16 at the time. So just a few years. But my youngest just um, graduated high school this year and is a freshman in college. Congratulations. And I will, thank you. And I will rate my co-parenting with my ex-husband at a 97%. We were really able to separate our own emotional feelings, even though the divorce was a very difficult situation but to put our daughter first and when you do that it really really you can see the the fruits of you know fruits of your labor if you will um in that in that space so yes you're connected still <laughs> yeah
0: yeah as much as we want to think otherwise all right well listen have a great day and maybe we'll get a chance to do this again soon
1: absolutely thanks again so much thanks so much i appreciate it